I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. As we continue chronologically reading the New Testament, today we'll be reading from four Gospels. We'll be reading from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 25. And then we'll skip over, because of the chronological sequence of things, to Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Then we'll look at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 39, Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, down through chapter 5, verse 11, and John chapter 4, verses 43 to 54. Now, in today's reading, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see that Jesus has left Judea after having observed his first Passover feast there in John chapter 2, verses 12 through 25. Then we'll see that Jesus arrives in Galilee and he attends a synagogue in Nazareth where he declares his Messiahship. Then he goes into Capernaum where he fulfills Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and we see that Jesus then tours Galilee ministering. All of these events take place between the first and second Passover feast of Jesus' ministry. First, let's look at the passages that deal with Jesus heading for northern Israel to preach in Matthew chapter 4, 12. Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, Luke 4, 14 and 15, and John chapter 4, verses 43 to 45. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Now over to Mark's gospel, Mark 1, 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying... The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now over to Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 15. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And finally, John chapter 4, beginning with verse 43. Now after two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So on the occasion of the imprisonment of John the Baptist, Jesus and his disciples, by way of Samaria, go to northern Israel, back to Galilee, where he was raised. We follow John's chronology here. In the verses leading up to this passage, Jesus had left Judea and uh, headed through Samaria where he spent some time with the Samaritans in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 42. Matthew's mention of John the Baptist's imprisonment here seems to suggest that Jerusalem was just a little too hostile at that point in time toward the Messianic message. John makes a curious statement in verse 44 in light of what is called a successful mission in verse 45. Notice verse 44 where John quotes Jesus as saying, A prophet has no honor in his own country. That comment seems out of place in this passage in view of the fact that the people of Galilee are very responsive here, according to verse 45. Now remember, John wrote his account of Jesus' ministry after the crucifixion. 
He's obviously giving us a little insight here regarding Galilee. Insight provided also by Matthew and Mark later on after a less successful trip into Galilee. That's found in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 6. Apparently, John just wanted his readers to have a complete perspective regarding the people of Galilee at the outset. This comment takes on more meaning in the context of Jesus appearing in the synagogue in Nazareth when he reads the prophecy of Isaiah and applies it to himself. As we'll see in just a few moments, Luke adds the context to this statement by Jesus himself as he's rejected by the Jews in the synagogue at Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, verse 24. John records the second miracle performed by Jesus in John chapter 4, beginning now with verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So Jesus is here back in Cana, that's a city in Galilee in northern Israel. That's where he performed his first miracle at the wedding, remember in John chapter 2? He's approached by a nobleman, which was a high government official, either Roman or Jewish. He's approached to come heal his son. Notice the statement Jesus makes in verse 48. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now again, consider what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Here's what he said. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. It was just the Jewish way. It's important to understand that Jesus came to perform miracles not because they needed to be done, but he performed the miracles to establish his identity as the Messiah. That statement becomes significant in light of the healing and miracle mission to which some believers today feel they are called. There were many people in Jesus' day who were not healed, and many situations that could have been remedied by a miracle, but they weren't. The purpose for Jesus' supernatural displays, well, it wasn't to remedy all physical sufferings around him, and it wasn't to solve all problems, but rather the much greater mission of establishing his authority over the elements as God in the flesh. Now, that's a mission. You'll notice that Jesus doesn't actually go to Capernaum. That's approximately 16 miles northeast of Canaan. He doesn't go to personally oversee the healing of the official son. We see this in verse 50. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. As it turns out, this is the exact hour when the son is healed, leading to the conversion of the nobleman's whole household. Now we have a very important passage coming up in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. As a matter of fact, it's one that enrages the Jews. Verse 16, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, 
and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Still in the region of Galilee, Jesus goes into the synagogue back in his hometown of Nazareth, that's seven miles south of Canaan. When given the opportunity to read, he chooses Isaiah chapter 61 after reading, Jesus closes the book and makes this statement in verse 21. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He then proclaims to them that they are not of a mindset to accept him, but neither were the people in the days of Elijah, especially in his own hometown, we see in verse 24. Sure enough, they make an unsuccessful attempt to put him to death. It's worth making a note here that this is the first rejection of Jesus as the Messiah by the Jews. You'll recall the statement Jesus made in John chapter 4, verse 44. He said, A prophet has no honor in his own country. Well, here it is. And Jesus makes the very same point to these folks in verse 24 in the synagogue when he says no prophet is accepted in his own country. Jesus himself comments on his healing and miracle ministry on this occasion, beginning in verse 23. There it says, He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. In other words, he perceives that they would have him prove his messiahship by healing everyone in the region. However, he calls upon the life and ministry of two prophets, Elijah in 1 Kings 17 and Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, with regard to Elijah, he only raised the son of one widow woman and Elisha only healed Naaman of leprosy. Neither of these well-respected Hebrew prophets extended their healing abilities to entire regions. As we mentioned earlier, Jesus didn't come with the intention of healing all the sick, but rather to establish himself as the Messiah for whom the Jews had been waiting. What is this message that Jesus is preaching? Well, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Verse 13. 
And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I think probably verse 17 here needs some explanation. What is this message that Christ is preaching? Is it salvation by grace like we experience today? Well, essentially, but not exactly. Keep in mind that at this point in time, the Jews have an opportunity to receive Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. The message Christ is preaching is one of repentance leading to the establishment of the earthly Davidic kingdom, the Messianic kingdom. That's the message of the kingdom of heaven. That's the message the Jews, by the way, rejected. Notice the exact words of Jesus in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Greek verb for repent there is metanoeo, which means to think differently or to change one's mind. The emphasis here with the use of the word repent is to encourage them to change their minds about the presence of the Messiah in their midst. Back in Nazareth, he had recently proclaimed himself to be that promised Messiah. Now the people must process that information and change their minds and attitudes to accept it. Matthew points out that Christ fulfills another Old Testament prophecy on this road trip found in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, the preaching of the gospel to the inhabitants of Galilee. He quotes Isaiah here in Matthew chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Matthew explains from Isaiah's prophecy that the same territory of Israel that first fell to the Assyrian captivity, that that would be the first to see the Messiah. After all, Jesus came from Galilee, that same northern territory, about which Isaiah gives his messianic prophecy in that passage. In my opinion, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7 is perhaps the most significant prophecy concerning the identity of the Messiah to be found in all of the Old Testament. In our next section, Simon Peter gets a lesson on fishing in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, and Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. First, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Now let's get it from Mark's perspective in Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 16. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Now Luke gives us more detail in Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. 
So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "'Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch.' But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Everybody loves a fish story. How about this one? Peter and his crew fish all night, and they catch nothing. When Jesus shows up the next morning and tells them to simply cast the net to the other side of the ship, well, they catch more fish than they can handle. This story becomes extremely significant because of Peter's response in verse 8 when he acknowledges his sin of doubt and declares Jesus as Lord. Something else happened as a result of that incident. They all, being Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they all left their lifelong trade of fishing. We see the calling of four of the disciples in John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. If you'd like to see a complete account of all 12 apostles, you can find it in that summary as well in John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. Incidentally, we see Luke using a more specific name for the Sea of Galilee. He calls it the Lake of Gennesaret. This lake is 12 and a half miles long and from 4 to 7 and a half miles across. Its surface is 682 feet below the Mediterranean with a depth from 80 to 160 feet. This body of water gets a lot of mention in the gospel accounts, being in northern Israel, where Jesus and his disciples spent a great deal of time during Jesus' ministry. In the next passage of Scripture that we'll see in Mark and Luke, Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28, Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 37, we'll see that the demons knew exactly who Jesus was. Mark 1.21 Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cries out, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet. And come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now let's look at Luke's account over in Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. 
And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Well, in this passage, Jesus moves into Capernaum. There's no question in the minds of the demons who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. Notice the clear reference the demon makes to Jesus when he proclaims, You are the Holy One of God, a clear reference to Jesus as the Messiah, and that's by an ambassador of Satan himself. The people observing this miracle of Jesus casting out this demon were impressed at the authority over demons that Jesus demonstrates here. Notice Mark's comment regarding the teaching of Jesus in verse 22. It says, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Ouch! If you're a scribe, I mean a professional teacher and writer by trade, that comment's got to hurt. We then see that Jesus becomes famous in the region of Galilee, but he's not making any friends with the Jewish leadership in the process. In the next three Gospels and the passages that we'll be reading from each of those, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, Mark 1, 29 to 31, and Luke 4, 38 and 39. First, Matthew eight fourteen. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Now over to Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. Now over to Luke chapter 4, verse 38. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. Oh, by the way, if you didn't gather this already from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Peter was married, or at least had been married. Otherwise, I mean, how could you have a mother-in-law? Peter's mother-in-law lived in Capernaum, in Galilee, and we also see that his mother-in-law was grateful for the healing. And there were more healings also, which we're going to see in Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, Mark chapter 1, verses 32 to 34, and Luke chapter 4, verses 40 and 41. Matthew eight sixteen, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now let's go over and look at Mark's account, Mark 1.32. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now over to Luke chapter 4, verses 40 and 41. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, 
And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. It's interesting to note here that the reputation of Jesus had spread here in Capernaum to the point that many people came to him with demon possession and sickness. Jesus cast the demons out and healed all the sick that came. Matthew correlates this power over sickness demonstrated by Jesus to a prophecy by Isaiah, the one in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. This quotation by Matthew of Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 is a little bit technical, so let me suggest that if you're interested in pursuing that, that you look in the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today's reading. Then we see in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, that Jesus was an early riser. Verse 35, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. This verse, by the way, became the basis for many to have a quiet time in the morning for devotions. Jesus has a fruitful ministry up in Galilee. We're going to, for our last section of Scripture, be looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, Mark chapter 1, verses 36 to 39, and Luke chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Now over to Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 36. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. And finally over to Luke chapter 4, verse 42. Now when it was day... He departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So there in northern Israel, in the vicinity of his hometown, Jesus acquires a significant following of folks as he performs miracles and healings. As a matter of fact, Matthew accounts in verse 25 there, great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And verse 24 there indicates the popularity of Jesus north of Israel all the way up into Syria. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.